and this is Steve Ritchie with Stern Pinball. Thanks for joining us. I'm the new designer of a Led Zeppelin. Hope you enjoy my new game, guys. All right, now listen. Here comes Ian Rodriguez for pinball and cool stuff. Good morning, everybody. That's Led Zeppelin. That's Steve Ritchie. This is Ian Rodriguez. You're listening to the Pinball and Cool Stuff podcast. And that is uh, Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, the song you may well know, you may not know. But if you looked at TWIP today or Stern Pinball's webpage or even Pinside today, you'd come to know who Led Zeppelin is a little better. And some of their titles. <clears throat> you'd come to see that now they have joined hands with Stern Pinball to create a nice game, a nice pinball game. You'll come to see that they perhaps restricted Stern from doing anything with their pinball machine. You'll notice that they gave Stern 10 songs. You'll notice that they gave Stern a couple of images that they might use, permission to use on their machines. You'll come to see, uh, you'll come to see that this game, this game may be an atrocity, everybody, and I'm here to give the worst review of any new game that I've ever, ever seen. The worst review of any game, certainly, in the history of my show. I've never, I've never looked at a game since the inception of Pinball and Cool Stuff and thought the thoughts that I'm thinking now. So we are about to enter uncommon ground. We are about to enter the last frontier of the Pinball and Cool Stuff podcast, everybody. Be prepared for the scorch. Be prepared for me to raise this game. And I don't mean raise as in R-A-I-S-E. I mean raise as in R-A-Z-E. This is the worst game I've ever seen from Stern. This is the worst cornerstone title, I should say, that I've ever seen Stern release. That's the thesis. This is the worst Steve Ritchie game that I think has ever been designed. And we've been through quite a few poor Ritchie games recently, and I'm the first in line on telling people about Ritchie that he has now given up. But what I'm looking at is an LE playfield design. And there are three flippers. Let's get into this a little bit so you guys know where I'm coming from, so you can at least understand my emotions a little bit here. Three flippers, upper right, lower two. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Those are three drop targets, six, seven, eight, nine, ten shots from the lower flippers. There are one, two, three, four. Those are, those are successive score shots, four drop targets. There's four shots off the upper flipper and a sweep drop target shot if you can hit it from the upper flipper. Okay, <clears throat> when you look at this play field, all of the shots in the in the right two thirds of the play field from the in the upper section are at the same depth. So you're looking at a ramp, drop targets, stand up target, another ramp, loop, shot right above the right flipper in the upper area of the play field. Okay, every single one of those shots to make the shot, you're shooting the ball to the exact same depth. Okay. And why is that important? Because there is no depth to these shots. They're all 
literally he drew a line, a lateral line across the top of the playfield on the Whitewood. And Steve Ritchie said, this is where all these shots are going to be. There's going to be five consecutive shots in a line at the same exact depth on the playfield. So in the upper, let's say one-fifth of the playfield, there's going to be four shots in line. A, a beautiful wire or a beautiful metal ramp, a stand-up target, three drop targets, and then another beautiful metal ramp, and then a loop shot that goes right behind the final ramp on the right side. That's the design. That's the that's the design philosophy of Steve Ritchie. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so then the, the the left third of the playfield, the shot is a left ramp. Okay, and then there's the drop targets. That so that's very it's very simple on the left side, and then there's this little scoop shot on the far left shot and a couple stand-up targets on the very, very leftmost shot from the right flipper, very late flipper shot. The scoop shot's kind of like a the monster shot, uh, the creature <clears throat> from the Black Lagoon on the, on Monster Bash. Kind of a deep shot, kind of just stops the ball up there, and it hides away, and it's tucked away behind the orbit. Okay, so th there you have it. Looking at the LE, you have, a, you have some lighting going on in the, in the side art panels there. You have this gigantic blimp which of course is a Zeppelin, but people are going to call it the blimp that changed pinball. I call it the blimp that ruined Steve Ritchie. This blimp is hovering over the wire form, obstructing your view. It it looks like somebody got a um, <clears throat> like a party zone, a party zone toy, like you know those foam things that kids use for dioramas in in middle school. It looks like somebody got one of those foam things and and put some fins on it with like a. Uh, with like they cut the fins off of a dart and stuck them on this foam cone cylinder thing and then they they spray painted it silver because it's one uniform color and then they glued it to the top of the uh, wire form. That's what it looks like I'm looking at. Um, that's the toy. And then they have a, a, a jumping Icarus guy. Interestingly, the Icarus model that they're using, it's a beautiful scope, I'll give them that. And it's one of those stand-up targets you hit and it leaps, kind of like the Elvira scared stiff targets, the frogs or the spiders or whatever they are. And um, so yeah, it's kind of neat. You hit the target, it leaps in the air. They've done it a few times on different games, Simpsons Pinball Party, Elvira, um, old Elvira. They did it on, uh, what was it, Oktoberfest, I think. So, that's a fun little thing. It's nothing new. Um... But this, this Icarus sculpt, the actual image of that Icarus, which is a really neat little sculpt, is from the record label, I believe. I don't even think that um, that, that Icarus is part of Led Zeppelin's like image IP. From what I understand, and it's in the lower play field too, very prominently in this, in right, right above your flippers. I don't even, I, I, from what I understand, I heard that that's part of their record label. Now, I could be wrong. But if it's part of the record label and not the band's artwork from albums or tours, then that's a funny thing to do. It's also on top of all the pops, okay, the Icarus figure. Moving on, the magic spinner electrical box machine in the middle of the playfield that rises and falls. Kind of like Iron Man, the, uh, <clears throat> the warrior guy, whatever his name is. You shoot through a spinner, and then there's a magnet that grabs the ball. And then it descends with the ball into the playfield. It's... It's... it's it's interesting. I have not played it. Maybe it's really cool. Maybe it's like the redemption for this game. Maybe it's absolutely mind-blowing and it will make you like the game. I hope so. Because if I'm going to be playing an LE, and I will be playing an LE before too long now, I'm sure, at the museum, I want something that's going to make this game interesting 
And that may be the thing. Um, or maybe the gameplay is just ridiculous. I don't know. Maybe the songs are excellent. But let's get to the songs. They give you 10 songs, all right? A lot of their classic hits, but 10. I believe Metallica was 12. ACDC was 12. Iron Maiden was 13. Guns N' Roses is 21. So they're, they're giving you 10 songs. Now, I understand that Stern has to pay for every song separately, perhaps, and a lot of money for each. So that's part of the, the deal, right? That's the understanding, and that's the limitation that they were under here. And I understand Led Zeppelin's the most expensive IP besides Beatles. So this being a cornerstone title and not having an increased price tag like Beatles had on it, you had that certain limitation. So I get that. I cannot slap Stern for that. But I can say, Steve Ritchie, this design is uninspired, duplicative, weak, closed-minded, uninspired again, and un I, I don't know, underwhelming, underwhelming. <clears throat> Here's another thing about the art. It's like this hippie stuff, you know, on the bottom, like funny, cool flames and smoke or whatever it is and colors changing. And then they use a gradient image on the slingshots. There is nothing Led Zeppelin IP on the slingshots. In fact, the only thing Led Zeppelin IP on the entire playfield is this. The Icarus figure, the heads of the band members, the Led Zeppelin logo, which is middle of the playfield with a burning Hindenburg blimp beneath it. The Icarus once again. So for the sixth time, the Icarus image is repeated on the lower playfield as if you hadn't seen it enough. And then some plastic images, which I can't see in the image, but that's the IP you get from Led Zeppelin. The rest is all artist generated. It's all some of the nice, beautiful line work around the images that they gave you. So they gave them Icarus, Led Zeppelin, a tiny logo, the images of the band members, and then a burning Hindenburg. That's the IP they got for the art package on the LE. On the premium, they got this Simple image of a Hindenburg crashing to the ground with the words Led Zeppelin. I know that's an album cover, but I don't follow them closely enough to understand what that is. It's about as plain an image as I've ever seen on a Stern game, especially the back glass. It's, it, it's, it's a copy-paste from an album cover. That is it. That is a risky decision. Because when you look at the premium buyer, you're looking at a guy who wants the full feature game, but doesn't need the exquisite version, the LE, they, they're not the die-hard Led Zeppelin fan, or maybe they are, but they just don't have the money. But a lot of cases, you're going to get the non-die-hard Led Zeppelin fan who likes the game and likes the music, but couldn't care less about having the only one of 500 Led Zeppelin games because the rest of those rich Led Zeppelin fans can have it. I'm just going to pay $7,500 and get my premium. Okay, that's the, that's the buyer. So the art package on the premium has to be, in my opinion, the best because you're asking for more from the buyer who doesn't care about the frills and the exclusivity and the celebrity of owning a limited ed edition game. So what do they do with this premium? They give you a black and white art package with an orange colored Led Zeppelin lettering and all the other features the LE offers, right? So the art package. I in never in a million years would I buy the premium for the art package here. It is black and white 1930 picture from the German Hindenburg accident I mean, that's like public domain now, isn't it? Isn't the Hindenburg public domain? So what Led Zeppelin did was they took an image that was public domain, they made it an, an IP for their record that they released, and then they made a, sh a ton of money on releasing that record with that image, and now they're asking for Stern to pay them for something that they got for free and got free money from. Pretty awesome, right? Led Zeppelin, man, you guys are classic, classic capitalists. I respect capitalism, but in this case, man, they are just really squeezing Stern. 
really squeezing Stern. Let's turn you down, Ozzy, a little bit loud. I need to get in this show. I need to get my head right. All right, so the, the premium has these, these rail lights that are kind of, like, kind of like hot rails on the new JJP, but they're not the rails. They're in the side art blades, okay? So the, it's like stadium lighting for your stern, which is a really good idea. Plus, they have the back panel lighting that they're bringing back. I'm really glad they're bringing back back panel lighting. I don't know when they stopped, but I know they did stop with a game like Iron Maiden. It's a beautiful addition. It keeps the game lit. You can see everything. It's necessary, especially on a game that costs seven grand. So that's the premium. You heard about the play field. <clears throat> and let, let's get to the pro. The pro looks like I just took acid about two hours ago. And then about an hour after that, I took mushrooms. And um, then about three hours after that, I started drinking really nice whiskey. Um, so within the course of six hours, I'd taken acid, mushrooms, and nice whiskey, and wondering where my head's at, and that's where my head's at. This uh, cabinet looks like a third grader drew it, perhaps while on hallucinogenic mushrooms. I don't even know how to say it, but this is something else, guys. Go have a look. It's on uh, Pinside and Twip. Okay, finally, the LE design, the cabinet. They have this baby blue cabinet armor. With, again, the Icarus logo pasted on the side, very simple art. There's not really a lot of hand-drawn anything on there. It's pretty much cut and paste from Led Zeppelin to the cabinet. Same with the back glass. Nothing really to, to look at. There's, not, there's no detail. There's no intricate hand-drawn anything on this. This is very much album art. The blue is a bad decision. Um, I think people are already saying that on the, on the threads. Uh, yeah, lollipop rails. Oh, man. So, and then it brings you down to see the LE, um, the LE play field. So, which is the premium play field. Pretty unbelievable. Um, I'm looking at the pro play field now. So the difference, substantial difference, I suppose you could say, is that there is no wire form for the upper, upper flipper shot, where on the premium LE there's a wire form return for the upper flipper on a 180 ramp. There is none on the pro, so... I guess you'd miss a ramp there. I'd, I'd buy the Pro if I was buying this game, but I suppose there's no way in God's green earth that I'm going to buy this game. Oh, man. I think Steve Ritchie is really, really trying hard to isolate and alienate his following. I've gotten into it recently on Pinside with a couple of different members there saying, Steve Ritchie just doesn't care anymore, and boy, I'm about to get back on that thread and give them Exhibit A. Um, because I think that Star Wars was a cut and paste thing that he had already designed. I think that that thing was already designed and they just threw some Star Wars stuff on it. I think he's got a portfolio of designs that he does of Whitewoods. He's already designed and says, hey, here you go. Because this clearly wasn't designed with Led Zeppelin in mind. These games were not designed with theme in mind. They were designed as fast, fun pinball machines. Black Knight, you know that was designed already. You know that was not a Black Knight design because they designed the pro with no play field. They shot an upper ramp to an upper play field. Whoopee. It could have been any game, right? I mean, does it resemble Black Knight 2000? A little bit. Not Black Knight, though. Not the first one. Certainly the pro doesn't. Premium, barely. The upper play field is a tiny piece. On Black Knight, it's much larger. So what I'm getting at here is I think Steve is in his workshop, you know, doing what he does. Maybe maybe he's into, like, mushrooms and hallucinogenics, but who knows? I wouldn't fault him if he was, because it seems like when he does these designs, maybe he is. He's 
Maybe his mind is altered and he's thinking, I've never done this before. When he actually has done this game before, he's, just, he's given you this design before. It just looked like Star Trek a little bit more. It looked like Star Wars a little bit more. I, I just, I, maybe he's just forgetting. Maybe he's just forgetting that he's done something that looks like this and feels like this already. Or maybe he's forgetting that it's never, it's not, it doesn't always have to be a fan layout with shot depths all matching one another on two thirds of the playfield. Maybe a designer's credo shouldn't be centered on, I can do, I can kill four birds with one stone by putting all these shots in a line. You know, it's funny, my Monopoly game suffers from this problem. It's the only Lawler game I've ever played or owned where the, there are two or three shots at the same exact depth. And that creates a lot of repetition problems. Because you're shooting those two ramps in the back right section of playfield, and you're hitting them next to each other, they're neighboring each other, there's a post between them, they're the same depth, they're the same style of ramp, they just go different directions and return. That's a big problem, and, and to me it created enough repetition to want to get away from the game, plus the code's kind of rotten, but... Um, it creates redundancy, and this game is all that. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shots on the right two-thirds of the upper playfield that are literally on the same latitude of the playfield. Good luck, Stern. Good luck. I, I think the LEs are going to sell out because you have plenty of LE, or excuse me, you have plenty of Led Zeppelin fans in the world that are going to buy this game. They have 13 or 15 million followers on Facebook, so this game's going to sell out no problem LE-wise, but... I'd be shocked if they were still making these in February or March. I'd be shocked. Because Keith Owens' next game's coming out, and let's say, what would that be? So John Borg, then Keith Owen. Yeah, I think John Borg's going to come out next, and then Keith Owen's coming out, let's say, June. So everybody's holding their breath. John Borg's going to release a good title. I think he's going to be largely cut loose and allowed to do what he does, like he did with Turtles. That was a high-bomb game. That was a very desirable game. Regardless of theme, Turtles was a better game than this. Um, Avengers is a much better game than this. So, when a guy's looking in a showroom at Avengers, Turtles, and Led Zeppelin, unless he cannot live without the Led Zeppelin theme because he's a diehard fan and he went to every show from 1973 to 1985, he's going to go with Avengers or Turtles. There's no chance in God's green earth that he's going to say, Oh, now that's a pinball game. Now that looks funner. That looks better. I mean, just looking at the art, I would buy Turtles 100 times over Led Zeppelin and Avengers 80 times over Led Zeppelin. I think Zombies art is... It makes whatever this is look like... Uh, just look like a mess. It looks like a Rolling Stones cover where they're just like, Hey, get us a bunch of Led Zeppelin images that you don't mind giving for free on the cover of our magazine. Give, it, give us that. Because that's what, that's what you get here. You don't get any original IP on the plastics on the lower part of the playfield. You get this Hindenburg image repeated over and over in the apron and in the and in the playfield and then in the cabinet. This Hindenburg image. I'm I am dumbfounded. I've I've been I've been on this path before where I'm kind of confused. But the Hindenburg and the Icarus is like. That'll cost you $500,000, Stern, thank you. Oh, and then you can make a, a foam model of the Hindenburg again on the top of the playfield to glue on your wire form. I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed that Led Zeppelin was able to squeeze them so hard and get all that money and then give them that. Like, Stern was okay paying the price tag. Let's say it was, I bet you it was 700 grand, maybe eight, maybe a million. Beatles was a million plus, so maybe this is a million. So for a million dollars, they said, here's your 10 songs, and here are seven 
to 12 images that we've used in our careers as artists on albums or on posters or in promotional materials for our band. That's what you get. 10 songs, 12 images. Call us when you're done for final approvals. Call us when you're done. Man, I should have been a rock star, man. This pinball podcasting doesn't pay squat. Lawyering isn't really doing, I mean, you know, it pays okay, but to be able to make a million dollars on giving somebody some recycled documents that you found in your shoebox under your bed because you're Led Zeppelin, the band, and you you own this IP, good Lord. The creation of IP and the marketing of IP is where the big money is, everybody. I can't believe it. I should have been a, I should have been a rock star. Maybe I missed my window. I never was good at guitar, by the way. I never was good at anything musically. I could play a little bit, but I was not like, you know, gifted. I was not gifted. I could play the drums a little bit, but I'm not gifted. That's fun to play and sing and goof off and drink with your friends and play jams on the guitar, but that's not what I was meant to do. But man, I sure wish it was, because boy, Robert Plant and his estate and these other guys, Jimmy John and John Donham or whatever his name is, boy, it's a big payday, boys. It's a big payday. Well, I guess it's not a happy Led Zeppelin day. But it is Led Zeppelin Day, so congratulations to the new owners that are buying. I don't mean to sink your ship here. I just I want to bring out that Steve Ritchie is fading, and I think his imminent fade is it's causing me some concern. Because if Stern's going to keep releasing Ritchie games, and they're going to keep looking like this, and they're going to they're going to keep having these nude playfields on them, what what do they want from us? What do they want from you? I think they're asking a lot, so maybe it's time for a price chop. I've been talking about the price chop recently. If you're offering a game with very little on the play field, you need to cut the price, all right? So, here's a little Led Zeppelin to let you go here. I appreciate you joining me. This is Ian Rodriguez, Pinball Cool Stuff Podcast. We're out. Yeah.